Welcome into another episode of the Main Streets Podcast. William Galloway joined with Britton Johnson. BJ, big week for the Sanford Bulldogs. Very productive on the hard court. Uh, a little bit less productive for Alabama, but that's might to be expected when you play the number six team in the country on the road. Uh, tough loss at Tennessee, but a big win over Missouri on Tuesday night in front of a less than ideal crowd because of uh, weather circumstances. But what do you make of, first of all, how are you? And secondly, what do you make of Alabama's week this past week in college hoops? Yeah, I'm good. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things that no one expects to go into SEC play and win 18 out of 18 games. It's just an impossible thing. And obviously, you want to win every game you play. But uh, I'm going to be honest. I, I thought we ran into, at least for the night, a, a better team in Tennessee. Uh, and they were super physical, but it was good to get that Missouri win out of the way. Um, I love the 4 and 0 star. I thought it was really big. I think we said this on last week's pod of just like we had a really tough stretch coming up after it. So getting that 4 and 0 start, winning the games you're supposed to win is huge. Um, I thought it was great to see the student section show out the way they did. Um, and, and I'm glad Greg Byrne kind of let them fill out the, the lower bowl a little bit better. Um, and you could hear, I mean, like I was just watching on TV, but you could actually hear it over the TV, just the, the difference it made in the sound. So I hope they do stuff like that more often because it really, I think, made a difference in the game. Um, but yeah, and then go into the Saturday game against Tennessee. I, anytime we are out physical in a game like that, in a team that can match up with us, uh, skill wise in any capacity, we're going to struggle, especially on the road especially when we can't beat anybody one-on-one. And I think it kind of was a perfect storm because I don't know if it was Sears' ankle kind of still being uh, a little bummy or what it was, but we we just couldn't create one-on-one advantages. And our offense is so predicated off of that that we will struggle a lot uh, when we can't do that, especially against a great defensive team like Tennessee. And so you had that combined with them being more physical and rebounding better than us and, uh, frankly, it's a recipe for disaster. So that's kind of what you got on Saturday. But, um, you know, I, I think that we'll definitely be up for the challenge on Wednesday and moving forward. So I don't think this will be a season-defining game, but it was certainly a, a, a disappointing result. I want to ask you about the Tennessee game in a second and Dalton Connect and his performance because he is a name I hadn't heard before and uh, looked like a lottery pick against Alabama. Alabama had – has a way of uh, playing folks that make them themselves look like lottery picks. That's just kind of the the luck, I guess you could call it. Uh, but before we get to Tennessee, Britton, I want to ask you the play, and I guess it was a dead ball, where uh, Nate Oates laid his hand on the Missouri player and then got publicly reprimanded by the Southeastern Conference. What do you make of that? And as somebody who's been kind of up and close in that scuffle, what what's going on in that moment? Um Kind of, kind of walk us through your perspective on that. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a nothing burger. Uh, I think Jay Billis said it really well when he said it was a nothing burger. I'm, of course, going to take it aside just because I know his character. I know he's not going to go out and actually like shove a dude. If you watch it, it was a light, light touch. But I will say this: had they called it a, a tech on Oates for that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been upset with that either. Just because you know, probably by the letter of the law, you're not supposed to do that, and and realistically, you probably aren't. But also in the same breath, a player is not supposed to rush up into the other team's huddle. So it's kind of, you know, two wrongs don't make it right there. But also, uh, 
a lot of fans, specifically Auburn fans, are are blowing that out of proportion and it being something that it's not. And so, um, it, you'll get that. That's just fandom. But I I think it was it was a whole lot of nothing. And you know, I think the SEC believed that too, even though they said, you know, they publicly ran reprimanded them. I think that they showed they really didn't care because they didn't do anything. They just said stuff. The public reprimand was a we acknowledge you are you know tisk tisk shame on you all right bad boy all right make make your make your flight to tennessee and and get ready for the next game uh in which dalton connect i think he had 20 points was that correct no 25 against alabama in 36 minutes uh only one of those was a three pointer he hit all eight of his free throws what do you make of his performance and then guys i feel like i mean vescovi ziegler Josiah Jordan James, I feel like they're all your age and that they've been playing college basketball for eight years individually. Yeah, they're really they're a really veteran team. And I mean, that was, in my opinion, you, you can tell me if you disagree. I think that was as good of a team as we've run into this year. Um, and obviously Alabama hasn't shied away from competitions. I think that is saying a lot. Um, they're they're just really, really veteran. They play really well together, they're really physical. Um they're they're really good defensively. Um and, and all those things kinda will help you succeed. Uh especially in a league like the SEC that is that is so predicated off of rebounding and physicality. Um you know, Dalton Connect obviously has been a stud. If you go back his last like three or four games, honestly, this was the the worst of his last three, which is crazy. Um so he's been killing everybody and I, I, I don't know how to say it, but I thought it was a quiet twenty five. Which I think speaks a lot to him. Like I didn't, I wasn't watching the game, just blown away at anything he was doing. And that's not putting him down. It's just to say that there was a lot of transition buckets. There was a lot of little stuff here and there. It'd be getting us, you know. I think he had Latrell right still on him a lot, and and Latrell was fighting him hard. But it's just that's a size mismatch. You need to get a little turnaround or something. So, um, it, it's impressive when you have a guy like you know. I think of a guy like very different players. So this isn't like a player comparison here, but. You have a guy in the NBA like Shea Gilgis Alexander who um, just finds a way to get about 30 points every night. And you'll look up halfway through the game, not thinking he's really done all that much, and be like, oh, my gosh, he has 17 right now. And that's kind of how it was with Dalton Connect, where it was like it was a lot of quick hitters in transition. It was a lot of little stuff around the rim uh, and, and a lot of free throws. And all of a sudden you look up and, and you're like, oh, my gosh, he has almost 20 points at halftime. And he's only made like six shots and – one three or whatever you know uh so uh but props to him i mean he's he's a great player he's probably on track right now it's early but definitely on track to win sec player of the year um Tennessee's a really really good team so uh that was a that was a great test for us i'm glad we get to see them again in march and see how we can kind of improve between now and then and uh you know be ready to see those guys again and you certainly don't do yourself any favors with six turnovers in the first four, five, six minutes of the game on the road at a top-10 team, um, it's going to be hard to recover from that. And Alabama fought. They battled. They just – ultimately, Tennessee's a really good team. Alabama was not playing the game it needed to play to win. And that's, you know, really all it boils down to. You've got, um, you know, plenty of SEC games left, and you just got to move on to the next one at that point. And on to the next one is actually the IBOB, the Iron Bowl of Basketball. Uh, as it is affectionately known here on the Mean Streets podcast. Auburn comes to town Wednesday night, 6.30 p.m. So uh, 
then you got LSU after that. But I mean, this Auburn team, man, undefeated in conference play. They're looking good. A ranked team. And you could argue that Alabama should be ranked, but that's not relevant for this game because you throw the the ranking, you know, out of the gym when Alabama and Auburn play each other. Um in this podcast, we hadn't we hadn't I think we mentioned maybe it was two weeks ago, two episodes ago, where we are happy for uh for Carter Sabera getting his scholarship and and happy for for Leor Berman and the job he's doing, but we we are certainly not a pro Auburn podcast. Um, Britton, tell me about this Auburn team. How how they've been able to find so much success this year and the challenge they pose to Alabama come Wednesday night. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing with this Auburn team, I think they're playing at a, a top ten level in this in the country right now, and and you know I think they are so balanced and deep. And I think that's kind of the strength because, like, if you look at their topping guys, they have good players. I'm not downplaying any of them. Jalen Williams just had a great year. Um, I think he's probably their best player. But it, it's 10 guys that all can, you know, play well together, that all can guard, that all can play well offensively and, and cut and do little things really well. Um, so it's, it's going to be a really tough game for us. Uh, I, I'll say this, and this is, what well, leads me to be pretty optimistic about it, especially after the way Tennessee out-physicaled us. Uh, I don't think Oates will allow that to be the case on Wednesday. And I have a feeling because I think that the skill matches up pretty well against each other that the more physical team, the more aggressive team will come away with the win. Uh, you know, and, and I I really do think that we're going to get a win here. I think it's going to be a hard-fought one. I think Auburn's going to be a really, really good team. And, uh and this isn't necessarily an indication of how the rest of the year is going to go, but I, I think that Alabama will play with some desperation and, and pull out a really tough win. Followed up by hosting LSU on Saturday, who's currently 11-7. and seven. LSU plays Georgia at Georgia in, uh, I guess, Stegman Coliseum on Wednesday. So welcoming the Tigers and the Tigers into Tuscaloosa this week uh, would be crucial if Alabama could go 2-0. Um, moving eastward to Birmingham, talking about our Samford Bulldogs, the longest win streak in the country, 17 straight wins. Um, obviously, they have not played the schedule caliber of teams like Alabama has in Purdue and Creighton and uh, and all those teams. But nonetheless, doing it all without Jermaine Marshall. And uh, that was a good reminder yesterday when I was at the Mer- Samford Mercer game in the Pete Hanna that you know, they are doing all this without Jermaine Marshall and uh, they've been able to gel and come together. And when he comes back here in a couple of weeks, you know, Sanford will be even better. Um, but Britain, I mean, tell me how Bucky McMillan's able to have so much success. Last year, Quez Glover was out a lot of games, even without key players, especially at the mid major level, how he's able to be successful. Yeah, I mean, I think it's because the way – Bucky builds a program is not around stars as much as it is around uh, a team and a system, if that makes any sense. Uh, so you're building it around what the team does really well and how the team plays for each other. And, you know, you go back to the fall practices and it's not let's get Quez, let's get Jermaine, let's get whoever in a bunch of isolated situations and just let them cook. Like, no, this is, we're playing team, a team game here. And, um, I also think that Bucky's one of the best coaches in the country. So, like, he just finds a way to uh, fill gaps and, and have guys elevate their way, their their play. I mean, a key guy here is a Chor Chor, who is 
you know, playing at an all SoCon level right now. He had 35 and 10 against Western earlier in the week. I mean, he has just been balling out of his mind. And um, had 20 versus yeah, Mercer Saturday. Yeah. I mean, this team's just really fun to watch. And, um, you know, I, I could see it back in, in June, July when I'd go and watch some of their summer workouts. And even when they were playing pickup, it was almost like a practice level intensity. And their selflessness is already on display, which is so rare for that point in the year. Um, guys are making extra passes in June, which you just don't really see. And so um, I can see pretty early on that this is going to be a really special group. And and they're just playing. I mean, 17 in a row, I don't care who you're playing. That's so freaking tough to do. Um, I think that's, yeah, that's probably like double any win streak I ever had in my five years. Um, which, speaking of, do we need to bring up, the, is there like a Britton Johnson curse? Or I, I don't know what to call it, but the year after I leave somewhere, it's like every every school, every team decides to have a historic season. I mean, I leave Mountain high Brook school. was top five in the country. Yeah. Alabama was number one in the NCAA tournament. Samford's on a 17-game win streak. If you had a lick yeah. of eligibility left, and you've been in college for <laughs> too long, which you're not anymore. You're oh, in yeah, school. I'm washed. I mean, I would, I would put you on, you know, the Crimson Tide, and then I'd, I'd bet the mortgage on Alabama next year. <laughs> Being a one seed in the tournament, yeah, I mean it's like it, there there are one of two ways you can look at it, or you know I could either have impacted the program so positively that they just took off like a rocket ship, or I was just weighing us down like a freaking, you know, weight on a on a bobber, and just the second that they took off that weight, it was just right up to the surface, and uh, it's 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 hilarious at this point. I, I thought about that earlier this week when they got that win against Western, which was fun to watch on national TV, and um. I mean, the thing about it is I think anyone who's been around Bucky for any uh, any amount of time really knew that it was only a matter of time before he, he'd had this level of success. And, you know, I think a big part of that was is why I went over because I, I did know it was only a matter of time. And that's, you know, not the downplay. Our year last year, we went 15-3 and three in conference, had a share of the conference title in the regular season. But uh, I knew that this year, this type of team, it, it was coming. And, and I was kind of I, – maybe I, I placed my bet one year early, but it was only a matter of time. And um, I, I, the thing about March Madness is it's such a crapshoot. Anything can happen in these one-game playoffs. But I, if I were a betting man, which I'm not, I would I would place my money on the Stanford Bulldogs to win the Southern Conference and, and make their first NCAA tournament in 20-plus years right now. I think the biggest thing right now for them, A, not like they can get complacent. They're playing at Furman uh, on Wednesday, which we all know the challenge that that could be. But I think the biggest thing right now is continuing to grow um, and and play for one another and not get complacent uh, amid success because is handling success can be the hardest thing. It's what's so impressive about the 17 game win streak is uh, it's not just that they've beaten all these teams because they might be better than just about all the teams that they play. It's about stringing together these wins and not getting complacent and just continuing to build. So that's all I love to see. I mean, well, at all, I mean, I, I got to see the Western game, which was which was a great win. Western is going to be a top three team in the league this year. Um, and it was a really tough road game for them. And you obviously got to see the Mercer game. What kind of stood out to you uh, and watch them get that win on Saturday? Yeah, over 2,500 people uh, in the Pete Hanna that night. That was fantastic. Sat that was Saturday. Um, but I mentioned a chore had 20. A.J. State McRae also had 20. He has been fantastic all year. He's somebody I talked to. I think he was one of Bucky's first guys 
that he brought in. Um, and he has just been tremendous ever since he has hit campus. Um, and that was at the end of that COVID year. So he's been there for all the, all the buckyball days, but I mean, he hit Sanford didn't shoot the ball well from three. They went one of nine in the second half. Um, but AJ state McCray, the way he plays in transition, the way he's able to finish, um, and, and just really lead the team, uh, leading the backcourt. Uh, I was, I was extremely impressed. And then, you know, you, it goes back to, it was NFL Saturday. Um, a lot of people could have stayed home. It was, you know, in the teens degrees outside and, and there were over 2,500 people there. Um, and I would imagine you'll see a similar scene next week when UAB host Memphis and uh, Javon Quinterly comes to Birmingham, but um, just the culture that he builds, you know, and the student section wasn't even packed out, but you had people from all over Birmingham come. Uh, it was, that was impressive, but on the court, Sanford finding a way to get it done. They kind of let Mercer sneak back into it. Um, you know, 87 to 80 was the final. It was really an 11 or 12 point game most of the contest, but Sanford got it done and uh, winners win. And that's what they did. So they are now looking at their record overall, 17 straight wins, 17 and two. Uh, and of course, six and zero in conference play with 12 games left 13 and zero in home. Also, that's, that's important to note. I talked about that environment and, and being able to win at home and Sanford certainly does that. So we will hopefully see them in two weeks back at the Pete Hanna Center. Uh, Britain jumping to football just quickly before we uh, before we hop off here on this Sunday evening. Alabama, lots of guys jumping ship. Caleb Downs headed to Ohio State. Caden Proctor going to uh, Iowa, kind of back home. And so what do you make of, uh, you know, and, and Alabama's had a lot of people come in. I was actually in Tuscaloosa Friday night for an event being an MC and it was in the stadium uh, and I came face to face with coach DeBoer. Um, he was on the phone. I didn't get a picture or anything, but you know, he's hard at work and uh, a lot of recruits were here over the weekend. So where do you stand in your fandom and your analysis of uh, let's call it the first seven days of his, uh, of his coach DeBoer's full-time new full-time gig? Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest and say that I was I was hurt when when Caleb left. I think he was the one guy we've lost that has really moved the needle. You know, losing the other guys wasn't was suboptimal, and that includes you know Julian saying suboptimal, um, and that may hurt us down the line. But at least in the short term, Caleb was the only one that really moves the needle. Um, and Ohio State's throwing that around silly bags right now. I think I saw a report that they have been throwing around like $13 million on transfer portal stuff this cycle, which is insane. Um, and that included, I think, you know, staying and some of the guys they bought in. But uh, but overall, I mean, I have I, I loved, I don't know how much attention you've been paying to who we've bring, been bringing into the coaching staff, but I think this has a chance to be our best staff top to bottom. Uh, obviously, excluding the head coach just because the Nick Saban facts are so real uh, since like 2016 and 2017. I mean, like we, I love the, that we have these, you know, mid-major head coaches that are really good at what they do, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And we're like, Hey, hey do you want to be co-defensive coordinators at Alabama? And, and, and they take it. So uh, I think we've just filled it out really well. I, I love that we've kept a couple of the guys, whether it be Freddie Roach or uh, uh, I think it's Gillespie, our running back coach. Um, 
And we've also brought in all these Washington offensive staff guys that are, are great. And, I, you know, I, I've loved all the hires he's made. I think, you know, I would love to have brought T-Rob back just from a recruiting standpoint. But overall, I think from a coaching standpoint, just a purely X's and O's standpoint, this is as good as we've had it. Uh, and now it's just about recruiting. And we are, we're starting to see the fruit of it a little bit. We've already, you know, brought in the three Washington guys. I, I, I'm excited, obviously, for uh, Parker Brailsford, who's going to be our center, apparently to snap the ball, which is great. Um, and I, I think that the quarterback that we're bringing in, Alex Mack, could end up being a great player. But I am very excited about Jeremy Bernard because I think he is like a second K-Law. And we have a chance to just be absolutely filthy on the offensive side of the ball. And, and obviously the defensive back stuff, we're so thin there. So that'll be really interesting next year. But offensively, we should be shredding people. So uh, I'm already dreaming about that Milro deep ball in that offense. I mean, it's going to be beautiful. I think there we have no excuse not to score a ton of points and have as good of an offense as anyone in the country next year. So that at least will be really exciting. Uh you know, I, I'm always kind of prodding Bama fans to be a little patient with this, but that's just because we've never experienced instability in the last 17 years. And um, I, I trust the board to get the right staff, the right people in here and start recruiting his butt off. You know, we got to continue to up the NIL collective. Uh, but I think we're in a really good spot, all things considered. Uh, you know, I love Tim going on fine bomb and, you know, let's be really didn't say this a ton, but but I love that he was like, this is nothing that's new to me. You know, I, I came into Washington two years ago, and it was way worse than this in terms of guys leaving, culture, all this stuff. We've had some absolute anchors in the program. And and also, I mean, the guys that have stuck around, and I, know, I guess the portal's still open, guys can still leave. The guys that stick around and just ride for, for the tide uh, the next year and next couple of years, uh, I will I will rock with those dudes the rest of their career. Malachi Moore, Deontay Lawson, uh, Tyler Booker, all those guys. You know, they Jod Campbell. I mean, I can keep it on the line. Uh, hopefully, Justice Haynes, uh, I Jalen Moore, obviously. I mean, those guys. It doesn't matter what they do the rest of their careers. I I will I will support them. So, uh, it means a ton to the program. It's ton to every Alabama fan to see guys uh, really really stick with us through this. And hopefully we can have Ryan Williams uh, want to stay home, and that is up to him. But uh, we're we're rooting for him. That family picture of everybody dressed out in his uh, I guess it was an unofficial visit this weekend, but he had family members, you know, little kids in jerseys, which was just hilarious. Um, that'll go down if he comes to Alabama. That picture will go down in the record books of uh, of a top recruiting visit of all time. It may have been yeah, hot, I don't know. Yeah. Hot take. I wouldn't be mad. I certainly would not be mad if I was going to come to Alabama. Wouldn't wouldn't be disappointed. Um, wouldn't hate again, it. The, he like might be 17 years old. So I think you know, let's, not, let's not put unrealistic <laughs> expectations on him, although he's the greatest high school football player I've ever seen in person. Um, yeah. <laughs> hey, I'll, uh, I'll leave you with the last word. Uh, William Galloway signing off on the Main Streets podcast. Britain's going to bring us to a close. We appreciate everybody for listening, uh, for your love and support throughout the past um, five years. What was the Galloway podcast is now the Main Streets podcast. We appreciate your listenership and your support. And Britain, bring us home this week. You know, I'd be remiss, and, and you're wearing you're wearing the swinging elephant uh, shirt right there. If I didn't bring up Nick Dunlap and his performance this week. 
Uh, not only did he win the PGA event, uh, I think it's the American Express Open, which uh, an amateur has not done since 1991. Is that good? That seems good. I think that's good. Very um, good. I'm putting my retainer back in. You're good. But he dropped a 60 yesterday, which is unheard of. Uh, so congratulations to Nick. Uh, you know, he'll have his options to go pro very soon, if not immediately. But I, I'm glad that he is at the University of Alabama repping the university. Uh, it was cool to see Coach Sewell there supporting him and, and cool to see the moment between him and JT when he won it. So uh, proud of him. It's, it, it's always fun to see guys in different sports succeed uh, uh, at, uh, at Alabama and kind of wherever they go elsewhere. And so, yeah, I just kind of end on that. I mean, what a, what a freaking weekend for Nick. I mean, now he gets to go back to English uh, 200 or whatever he's in now. So uh, it's probably all downhill from here. But, but congrats to Nick and Roll Tide.